Welcome to Practical Christian Living. You and I have different seasons. There are good seasons and there are difficult seasons. And I believe that it is more important for us to have that close relationship with God in the midst of the dark times of our lives than it is even during the times that God is using us in great and powerful ways. God has a purpose for every difficult season in our lives. When we keep our relationship with the Lord intimate during the dark times, we allow Him to strengthen us, to grow our roots deep, and establish us for the next storm. If you're struggling, and even if you're not right now, may today's study help you to take every care and worry straight to the cross. We're in Psalm 101 through 103. Here comes Robert Furrow. I want to give Him my life and have a heart and a desire to, knowing, as we're going to look at another psalm here tonight, that as we walk with the Lord, the Lord knows our weaknesses. Not a justification for our weaknesses, because we need to walk in holiness and purity before Him. But knowing that we are weak, and if any one of us says we don't sin, the Bible says that we are a liar, the truth isn't in us, if we say, I, I, I don't have any sin, and so we have a heart that we want to give to Christ and we want to see God do things. And that's what we find here in the very beginning as David gives this psalm to the Lord. He says, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Now, that's what a way to start a psalm. What a way to start a, a, a psalm of dedication to God. And I don't know that I would confidently say that. I remember when we first started the church and I remember thinking, what kind of a pastor do I want to be? And I remember thinking, I want to be real. I want to be who I am. I don't want to be a different person up on, uh, as I share from the pulpit as I am from when I talk to someone. Now, obviously, when you're addressing people, there's, there's different. I don't talk like this to the people that I'm talking with. But I would have never have said in those early days, I will behave wisely. The, the first part of the Psalm 1, by the way, I went to, write to, Psalm, uh, went to verse 2. Verse 1 says, I will sing of the mercies and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when you come to me, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I will hate the work of those who fall away and it shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Now, again, David's heart, and I, you know, I don't know as David began to give this psalm to the Lord, if he realized his own weaknesses or if because he was young and he looked at other people's failures and he thought, I will never have those failures. I don't know if you've had that experience. Was there a time when you were young and the way you looked at things and perhaps looked at people doing things and thought, if I were there, I would do it this way? I know as a young Christian, I was a lot more picky over small things. I remember hearing things in worship songs that were not strictly theologically correct. And I would go, you know, if I were doing that, I would make sure we didn't sing that song because it's not theologically correct. And then I'm listening to some of our songs and I'm going, you know, they're not always strictly theologically correct. Where I thought I would always have them, but understanding our heart is to call out upon the name of God. 
Our heart is to move into that presence of God and understanding it's a relationship with him that is more important than making sure that we have everything together. And I think that's David's heart here. He says, he goes on along these same lines, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look at a, of a proud heart, him I will not endure. So again, these are his commitments to God as a king. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land and may do, uh, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. That's a, again, a good thought that you surround yourself with those who love the Lord, with those who are committed to him, with those who don't have hearts that are full of flattery or trying to deceive the people around you. I think that David had that heart. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land that I might cut off all of the evildoers from the city of the Lord. I think if David had to rewrite this psalm at the end of his life, he would write an entirely different psalm. I think instead of David saying, I will, I will, I will, I think David would have said, God, help me. Help me because I need your help. By the end of the ministry of David, things had been so messed up in his life. There were little ways in which he made mistakes, ways with his, with his sons and with his family that came back to get him. There were big mistakes that he made. I think that he would approach this a lot differently. When you and I are called in the ministry and some of you guys are young, some of you guys are giving your life to Christ. Some of you guys are surrendering yourself to whatever God has planned for you for the rest of your life. And rather than approaching in a way like David, I will walk perfectly before you. Instead to saying, Lord, help me to glorify your name and uplift you, that you would really be established. And I think that David's heart was good but it wasn't within him to carry out all of these things that he said. It obviously didn't happen. Now, Psalms 102 is a psalm of a person that is in affliction. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And we've not been told that we will not face difficulties and hardships. As Christians, life turns hard. I've said that life turns on a dime. One day, one things are one way and you turn around and suddenly they're an entirely different way. Things change. And some of you guys may be in the midst of difficulties now. You wonder what to do. You may be in the midst of a struggle. You may be in despair. I think of Job in the midst of his despair. If there was anyone in greater despair, I, I don't know of that person. And Job said, even if you kill me, I will still trust you. Boy, that's a strong point of trust. We say, look at my life and look at the turns it's taken and look at where I'm at. Look at the struggles that I'm, I'm going through. He said, even if you kill me, I'll trust you. That's faith. Faith is not only when you and I trust God to do great things and to see him move in people's lives, to see people healed, to, to see God do miraculous things and touch and heal relationships. And God does them all around us. We're grateful for him. But faith is also to face whatever struggles come your way, knowing that God is sufficient even in those times and that he'll give you the strength to be able to face them. But we can sense and, and, and feel the despair of Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, 
and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I will call and answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread because of the sound of my groaning. My bones cling to my skin and I am a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl in the desert. I lie awake and I'm like a sparrow alone on the housetop. Now, that's a man in deep despair. That's someone who, and perhaps you've been there, maybe you're there right now, where food has no appeal because of the things that are taking place in your life. It's a man that escapes sleep before the time of Ambien, which many people turn to to be able just to get some rest. But, but slept, fed from him, fled from him. He says in verse 8, My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath. For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that lengthens. I wither away like the grass. It was A.W. Tozer who said, that God uses no one greatly until he hurts them deeply. And you and I, when I first gave my life to Christ, there were there was some teachings that if you surrender your life to Jesus, then difficult times will never happen to you. And I think back to those teachings and think, didn't they just look forward in time? The, the song of Sol- Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes that difficulty was going to come into every man's life. Job in the midst of it said, man is born for trouble even as the ashes fly upward. You and I have different seasons. There are good seasons and there are difficult seasons. And I believe that it is more important for us to have that close relationship with God in the midst of the dark times of our lives than it is even during the times that God is using us in great and powerful ways. When we see our lives shining, when we're in that summertime and God's using us, when we face those difficulties and hardships which come into everyone, that we would be able to honestly pour out our hearts before God. Whether your struggle is, I think first of all, he's describing a couple of things, maybe an emotional struggle. He's describing a physical struggle. And he's describing a struggle with enemies. I think we could put almost everything that we're going through in those categories. Some of you here have physical struggles now. You're calling out to God. You're praying, God, hear me. Hear my cries to you. And you're, you're struggling physically. Some of you guys are struggling emotionally on whatever levels. Anxiety just hits. I never, well, at certain times, we struggle with anxiety. As a young man, I remember thinking, that I would never have any struggles with anxiety. As I get older, I cling to the passages that say, be anxious about nothing, but everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. So every time I feel anxious, I find myself going to him in prayer with a thankful heart for what he's done in the midst of my life and, and in the midst of your emotion. Also in that, in that struggle emotionally is, could also be a struggle with faith. And that is, 
Why isn't God answering my prayers? Maybe even with the suffering and illness as well. Why isn't God answering my prayers? Why isn't he hearing me? Is God really there? And you might find yourself really struggling with doubts. And to you, I wanna say, if that's the case, you know what? God's big enough to hear your doubts. For you to say to God in prayer, Lord, I, I don't even know if you're there. I don't even know if we just, if we, we just happened. I, I'm struggling with this. That's not blasphemy. God doesn't go, blasphemy. Now I'm gonna curse you. Now things are gonna get worse. Sometimes we're just afraid to pour out our hearts before God. And I love Psalms like this where the heart is just poured out to God. I love Job. Again, Job said, I wish God were a man because if God were a man, I would set him down and say, what are you doing? I think we've all been there before. I wish I could just find God and set him down and say, I don't understand what you're doing. God is big enough to take all of our struggles and all of our doubts and everything that we might be feeling and bring them before him. In fact, I believe that there's no one better to bring them to. I believe it is the way to resolve them. By the time he gets to verse 12, he says, but you, O Lord, shall endure forever. He now takes his focus away from his present problems and places them on God. And that's a good thing to do. Our lives, well, with many days comes much sorrow. Book of Ecclesiastes tells us, but you, and Lord, you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. Zion is a hill in Jerusalem. From the time of to, to favor her, yes, the set time has come for your servants to take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust and the nations shall fear the name of the Lord God and all the kings of the earth, your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayers of the destitute and shall not despise their prayers. One day, everything will be wrapped up. One day, God will work out all things in our lives. The Bible says, and I think it's 2 Corinthians, that God doesn't give us more than what we can handle. Even in the midst of the difficult and dark times, we look forward to his return. We look forward to him establishing his glory. We look forward to what he's going to do in the midst of our lives so that we aren't swallowed up by our despair. We don't find ourselves thinking, how am I going to survive this? Because we put our focus on what really matters, that our time here is set upon him. He says in verse 18, this will be written for the generations to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from the heights of his sanctuary, from the heavens, and the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the people are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will grow old like a garment, like a cloak, and you will change them. They will be changed, 
but you are the same. And your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue and the descendants will be established before you. Last week when we finished Psalms 100, we talked about revealed revelation. That is that we didn't know as much about God when Genesis chapter one was written as we know about God when the end of Revelation is written. That throughout time, there's been this revelation. And one of the things that people do is to look back at the Old Testament and say, they didn't really have an understanding of eternity in the Old Testament. And if we were to go back and to see what they thought about what was going to happen to them after they die, I I don't think that any of us could say with any kind of confidence, I know exactly what they thought. But when you come to the end of this Psalm, like the end of Psalm 100, once again, you hear them speaking of God in his eternity. Jesus tackled this very topic. Jesus said to the, to the Sadducees who did not believe in a resurrection, there is such a vagueness to eternity in the Old Testament that there were two different groups, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were two different religious groups. The Pharisees believed in a resurrection. The Sadducees did not. They were united together, remember, in the book of Acts against Paul. And when Paul stood in front of him, the Bible says that when he saw that there were Pharisees and Sadducees, Paul said, I am here being persecuted to you today because I believe in the resurrection. The Bible says that they started fighting amongst each other, that they turned on each other just over the whole concept and idea of the resurrection. Jesus said, God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are existing. By the time we get into the New Testament, we are told to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we find ourselves in his presence. So looking back at verse 26, they will perish, but you will endure. They will all grow old like the garments. This is the the heavens, like a cloak that will change them. They will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue and the descendants will be established before you. Now, Psalms 103 is another Psalm of David. This is a radically different Psalm than the Psalm that we just read. In fact, it's interesting that they're coupled together. You have a Psalm of despair and then you have a Psalm of praise. In fact, in this little section, when you go from 101 to 102, 103. You've got somebody overconfidently dedicating their lives to the Lord and what they're going to do and what they're going to do for God. You've got somebody in the depths of despair. And then you've got somebody that's praising God for all of the things that God has done. Verse one of chapter 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now go back to verse three. It says in the end of verse two, forget not his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that the Messiah would come and die as a sacrifice for our sins to be forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, all of your sins were in the future and they were, in, they were placed upon him and they were imputed to you. That means that he has forgiven us of our sins. Past, present, future. They were all future. 
before when Jesus was on the cross. He's forgiven of them all. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that confessing isn't so much a list of sins that I have to sit down at the end of the day and go, okay, God, I got really angry when I was driving. I got really jealous when I saw that car. I got, you know, kind of going through a list of what your sins might be but that you would have a heart that would say, I want to serve and follow God. I want him to forgive me and I want things to be right. We confess that we have sins in our lives and all of our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. He says, all of your diseases will be healed. He heals all of your diseases. Now, some have read this and said that if you have enough faith, that there is healing for everyone completely. And certainly it is true that when we all stand before God, what does it say in Revelation? There will be no lame, there will be no blind. Certainly there is an ultimate healing that is true. But I also think that we've got to look at this under the law. Had someone been able to live by the law, the Lord had told them in the book of Deuteronomy that if you guys do these things, then you will be blessed. If you don't do these things, then you will be cursed. And when you read the blessings, had they been able to live by the law, they would have had tremendous amounts of health. They would have not had the struggles that they had. But here's the thing, they all failed. There wasn't one of them that was able to keep the law. And so according to the book of Hebrews, the law then became not something to justify you, but something to show you your sin. If it wasn't for the law, Paul said, I wouldn't have known that I was a sinner. But because of the law, I know that I'm a sinner. So we, if we could walk in that perfect way, there may have very well have been a point of not having any sickness at all, but we, we weren't able to. And now that we're walking by grace, we're walking in the midst of a world that God doesn't transform us and change us into somebody different. He keeps us in the world so that people around us see us walking with Christ and they are drawn to him. And it's in your weaknesses that Christ speaks the loudest. It certainly is in victories and in great times, but it's also in difficult times and hard times that he speaks the loudest. He goes on to say, redeemed your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, he made known all of his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in mercy. I can't read that without thinking of Gail Irwin, by the way. But it is really true. God is merciful. That means that he's not giving you what you deserve. Don't ever say to God, God, give me what I deserve. If you do, give me a chance to get away from you first. So that when you get what you deserve, doesn't get on me. I want God's grace. Mercy is, is when you get what you deserve. Grace is when you get a gift from God. Grace is when you are given, not what you've earned, but given something that is a complete gift from the Lord. Slow to anger, which is a good thing, isn't it? God is slow to anger. Some of you guys had parents that were quick to anger. My mom, fairly slow to anger. My dad was quick to anger. I'm glad God's not that way. 
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.